0: Welcome to the Understanding Jesus Podcast. I'm Pastor Troy Richards, and with me today, as usual, it's Mr. Josh Humphreys. That's me. Hey, Josh. Hey. I like your shirt. Thank
1: you. That's, Sam's Club.
0: That's uh, Shout out Sam's. I was going to make some habit comment, like you're trying oh. to break the habit or get oh, into the no. habit. You got into a habit I need to morning. get in the you habit of habit. buying
1: things you got, from Sam's because right. you got into it's the really the nice stuff. Yeah, there you go. They're really good stuff. Speaking of getting into habits, Um, we need to read our Bibles every day. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) This
0: edition of Understanding Jesus, we spend an inordinate amount of time in the book of Deuteronomy. Yes. (laughs) uh, Josh loves the book of Deuteronomy. I do love the book of Deuteronomy. We're going to spend a lot of time Mm. unpacking Deuteronomy. We'll even talk about, at the end, Mm -hmm. what Deuteronomy even means. Yes, we will. And and highlight that in Hebrew. Mm -hmm. It's not Deuteronomy. Right. Just... um, this that's just to pique your interest. Yeah. Just a lot um, of
1: interesting things in the yeah, podcast today. There
0: are some interesting things. We get to the Gospel of Luke and uh and deal with that a little bit. Um uh, mm-hmm. Psalm 37. Yep. We highlight that. Uh so yeah, some some we didn't do with Proverbs today.
1: We didn't. So if well, you want some yeah. pro,
0: you want those words of wisdom, you got to find it on your own. But uh we do have some great things to unpack for you on the importance of the word of God and his revelation to his people when we return on understanding Jesus. <laughs> Welcome back. We are getting ready to take a look at what we read this week, and that stood out to us. That um, that uh, as we're reading through the Bible, you know, there's things that uh, pique your interest, that kind of stand out, kind of things the Holy Spirit illuminates, and then uh, and you meditate upon those passages for further greater understanding. Josh, what did what stood out to you this time?
1: The book of Deuteronomy, Ooh. the whole thing. I know we didn't read the whole thing this week, but Deuteronomy is such it's just so good um honestly well let me just let me just start here. The beginning of Deuteronomy is really cool because um it gives just an overview about what has happened thus far, and then Moses goes into this deep ex- explanation almost like a like a sermon um for a while about what has happened before where they're at now, and where they're going to be. but I just wanted to point out before I get into my devotional point. Um, something really cool uh, about Deuteronomy is that the first time that I read it ever, I was confused because I was like, what is going on? This is the same thing happening again. Why is it? And why is it happening so fast? Well, Moses is overviewing everything that's happened to them, but it's really, really crazy that, um, in verse two, it says it is 11 days journey from Horeb to the Mount of Seir to Kadesh Barnea. And it took them forty years, the Israelites, to get from the point where they had left Egypt to now where they are at the beginning. Of the pro- forty years—it should have been only eleven days. So we see um, the consequences of disobeying God right here at the beginning. Right. But I, I wanted to talk about why th- why I love the book of Deuteronomy, why I love this beginning, because honestly, it's an amazing book. Um, and I guess the reason I love it so much is because I love. Um, the story of the Bible. And I love reading the Bible uh, like that. And this is a perfect book. If you're wanting to begin that, if you're wanting to start to understand uh, what we call in the, uh, I don't know, Bible education world, biblical theology, the storyline of scripture, this is a great place to start. If you um, are kind of scared to Read Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus numbers. (laughs) Well, start in Deuteronomy first, you could, um, because it tells the story of the people of Israel um, interacting with God and and God loving his people. Um, If you're wanting to start to understand the narrative of scripture, this is a great place to begin because it highlights God the whole time about what he's doing amongst, amongst the people, what he's doing himself, how he's delivering them, how he's saving them, how he's loving them, how he's having mercy on them. Um, because when we read Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus numbers, um, it's really easy to get stuck in the details and miss God. We focus in on the stories where like, there's a talking donkey here, what's going on? Or we're looking at, um, just all the itty bitty details. Not that those details are not important, but sometimes it's hard for us to zoom out and see what's actually going on. And Deuteronomy, that it does that. It does that with, um, their story thus far. And it does that with the law as well, why the law is important, why the law was given, why God is holy, how he's so merciful, how he's so loving, and so much of this stuff. Um, and so just uh, to give an overview of the overview, uh, I have some some verses I wanted to read, um, just a few of them, some of my favorite parts thus far. And this is chapter 1, verses 29 through 33. It says, Then I said to you, this is Moses, he says, Then I said to you, do not be in dread or afraid of them. The Lord your God who goes before you will himself fight for you, just as he did for you in Egypt before your eyes, and in the wilderness where you have seen how the Lord your God carried you as man carries his son all the way that you went until you came to this place. Yet, in spite of this word, you did not believe the Lord your God who went before you in the way to seek you out, a place to pitch your tents and fire by night, and the cloud by day to show you about the way that you should go. And there's so many more. I wanted to read. Um, Man, there's just so much good stuff. There's just so much good stuff. I wish I could read it all.
0: Um, <laughs> The entire book of Deuteronomy?
1: No, literally. It's just amazing. Okay, yeah. here's another one. Um, This is chapter 2, starting verse 33. It says, And the Lord our God gave him over to us, and we defeated him and his sons and all his people. We left no survivors, verse 34. And then verse verse 36 says, There was not a city too high for us. The Lord our God gave all into our hands. Um, And let me just read one more. I'm sorry. This is uh, Deuteronomy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Deuteronomy 4, um, 35 through 40. Uh, I lost it. There it is. Okay. It says, To you it was shown that you might know that the Lord is God. There is no other besides him. Out of heaven he let you hear his voice, that he might discipline you. And on earth he let you see his great fire, and you heard his words out of the midst of the fire. And because he loved your fathers and chose their offspring after them, and brought you out of Egypt with his own presence by his great power, driving out before you nations greater and mightier than you, to bring you in, to give you their land for an inheritance as it is this day. Know therefore today and lay it to your heart that the Lord is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. There is no other. Therefore, you shall keep his statutes and his commandments, which I command you today, that it may go well with you and with your children after you, and that you may prolong your days in the land that the Lord your God is giving you for all time. And I think it's just so important for us um, when we're reading, books of the bible to remember to zoom out to look at what god's doing as you walk through these beginning chapters of deuteronomy moses is showing the people of israel their ignorance and showing the majesty and the goodness and the mercy and god's character it's just so amazing so if you didn't get to read deuteronomy this week go back go back and read it because it is so good Judas ex leviticus numbers and deuteronomy those are the torah uh and This beginning of Deuteronomy explains everything that's happened thus far and is going to explain where they're about to go. It is just so good.
0: And in chapter 6 is is a passage we use, uh, baby dedications and things like that, because um, it's a reminder of how important it is to take everything that you're learning and pass it on to another generation i I was since this isn't my part i'm cheating here Mm -hmm. i'm just gonna read uh, since you already read so many passages of deuteronomy there's one from chapter five Mm -hmm. he says you go near and hear all that the lord our god may say and tell us all that the lord our god say to you and we will hear and do it Mm -hmm. then the lord heard the voice of your words when you spoke to me and the lord said to me i have heard the voice of the words of this people which they have spoken to you they are right in all that they have spoken oh that they had such a heart in Mm -hmm. them that they would fear me and always keep all my commandments that it may be well with them and with their children forever. Yeah. And and God heard the, I mean, they, they did at the very beginning before they wandered yeah. forever in the wilderness. They were so, yes, we want to hear what he has to say. We want to do what he says to do. Yeah. And God's like, oh, wow, you know, I really wish what you were saying was true. And, right. you know, it's like when you hear somebody who you know their character and you know that they have good intentions. It's like right. Jesus listening to Peter And he's like, man, I really wish you, I really wish you were gonna do what you say you're gonna do. Right. But uh, when the time comes, you're you're gonna fall away, and God knows that. Didn't surprise God by that. And we don't surprise God. I think sometimes we think God is shocked when we said, it's like, oh my goodness, I said I was gonna follow you, and I've done such a lame job. And it's like God's like, yeah, I I kind of knew that from the beginning. Right. And uh, but I still love you. I still call you. I still want you to be a part of my plan. And I had that intention from the beginning but um but yeah so i, yeah. I love deuteronomy
1: well. i think it's just cool because we see that his character never changes yeah his ever. character
0: he's consistent right we're the and ones who are not consistent.
1: yeah and as you walk i think it's in nehemiah nehemiah nine they the same thing happens like um nehemiah or someone is speaking about it's either nehemiah or ezra they're speaking about where they've come and where they are now and it is just this continual response of who God is and that he's never changed. And that even though Israel are stiff-necked people, right. God is continually reaching his arm down, giving mercy, giving salvation, giving blessing, fulfilling his promises. Just like right. – it's just really cool.
0: And I think we get we get so frustrated with people because we say they're so fickle and people yeah. say they're going to do it and then they don't do it and so right. forth. And, it's, and we have to step back when Jesus says, hey, I want you to love people as I love you. Mm-hmm. He's saying – Uh, you're pretty fickle and I have been very patient with you and will continue to be patient with you. And so I expect you to pass that along Mm -hmm. to other people. So uh, just always remembering that, yeah, we all have good intentions. We all say things we intend to do and don't follow through with them. And we try to make people out to be these scandalous, you know, Oh my goodness, they said this, but then they did this. Mm -hmm. And you know, I can't believe that they failed in such a miserable public way. But
1: yeah, there's, uh, I was just reading this, uh, quote today it says uh it's by jen Wilkins. she just tweeted this earlier um she said maybe spend less time casting christians you know only from a distance as either a hero or villain maybe leave room for seems great most days or probably wouldn't be friends with or how about often agree with or differ on some points peaceable speech is a good habit yeah. and it's just so true i mean even in the christian community like it's just like one person messes up and boom they're done, Burn they the done. right yeah. Or they they say something that's really great one time and then it's like let's lift them up they're gonna yeah. be the best people on the planet yeah la, 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 la. exactly
0: or failing to realize that they uh yeah that they are that they are a Christian music artist or whatever oh they, have, gosh, they have they have giftedness right but they don't necessarily have right the have not gone through the character right. depth of a lot of people right and and when you have popularity thrust upon you and so forth put into the limelight and people mm-hmm. lifting you up on a platform we don't always handle it well right so. But, uh, it's
1: hard anyway, to see. Yeah. Once again, hard to zoom out. I haven't out. had to worry about that. Yeah. <laughs> so,
0: I would like to see whether I could handle being a billionaire, but God has not tested me in that. Maybe He knows the answer to that question. I know it's He does. He does you know, know the answer to the question already.
1: If you're not one, it's probably enough. Yeah, you know. That's right. That's right. That's right, that's right. <laughs> if
0: I don't have the billions, then I already know the answer. Yeah. I wouldn't <laughs> handle it well. Um, I, I was looking at the Psalm, Psalm 37 is, is a great Psalm. And so I just uh, pulled a passage from that because it, it kind of goes in line with all that we're reading in Deuteronomy mm-hmm. as well. Uh, he says, commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath, do not fret; it only causes harm for mm. evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth yeah. and And I pull from this really three different types of fretting or worrying or being anxious, and the first one is those who worry because they do not believe in God. Those are people who are anxious and worry and fretting because they do not have the reality of God in their life they don't have a god to turn to they don't Mm -hmm. have a god to trust and so forth so the anxieties the stresses of circumstances wondering how these things are going to be resolved uh wondering if i'm uh, whether i can do it whether somebody else can do it whether the government can do it or whatever there's a lot of worry and stress in people's lives just because there is no god to turn to for hope or strength and and they rightfully wonder about the powers that be um the second is those who worry because they don't trust god and that is you know, people who uh, do believe in God, that he's real, but they just don't think God's going to deliver on his promises. And and we all, all of us who are followers of Christ fall into that category at one time or another. We're constantly, God is revealing to us through the circumstances he allows in our lives to show whether we really have hope. It's like the disciples on the boat. Uh, the storm was there for one purpose, and that was to reveal that they really didn't trust jesus even though he's right there in the boat it's like they thought they were going to die and that's why he said you have such little faith and what he was saying is you have so little trust in me that i would that i i'm sleeping right here in the boat and you think i would just sleep through your death uh (laughs) and and so that you and so anyway that's that's the second and the third is those who worry because they are running from god and that means you believe in god Uh, but you're being disobedient to God, and so you are stressed because of your own disobedience and anxiousness. And regardless of the case, the answer is we commit our ways to him and obey him. Um, If there is no rest for the wicked, there's no rest in disobedience. Jesus says if we want to rest, then we have to come to him. And he is always willing to forgive, so it's not like you've done something and you can't come back to him but there is no rest, no true rest apart from Christ you can delude yourself into believing that you rest. It's like kind of taking you could take sleeping pills to make yourself sleep better, <laughs> but uh, and you can pretend that everything's okay. But uh, but if we've sinned against them in the past, um but now we turn to them, well the consequences of our disobedience may be tragic. They may still linger, but even in the midst of our consequences, um we can still uh, receive the compassion of Christ and experience the rest that he has for us. Um, sometimes, sometimes he takes us from this world prematurely because of mercy, because that's the only way we'll ever have rest. Sometimes we have sinned so greatly and created such great consequence that it is an act of mercy to take us home. And And I think sometimes we we fail to see that. We see we always see death as a as a cruelty or something evil or mean, and it and it is cruel, evil, mean. Death is an awful thing if there is no resurrection, if there's no promise of eternal life. But uh, but death is a release for those who are trapped in this world in pain. And uh, if you've ever been with somebody who's in a, an incredible amount of pain, the, the the hard part is, and I think this is where euthanasia comes from, I think this is where uh, physician-assisted suicide, I, I remember... We battled against that in Oregon, and even though I I believe it was wrong, ethically wrong, morally wrong, biblically wrong, however it was every way wrong, um, it, I understand it. I get it. I understand that if you are in so much pain and you are causing pain in the lives of others, you're just looking to God, going, God, why why am I still here? And um, I've prayed for people that death would come as an act of mercy from God because uh, it, it's like either heal me. You know, fix this or get me out of here. Um, and and I, I think sometimes the answer God gives is, I'm, I'm going to take you home because there's there's no in my plan. It's either this suffering or or it's time to end it. And I and and if you think about it, that's kind of kind of the whole prophecy of the the, the end of the world. When you talk about this world ending, it, it will end as an act of God's mercy. It will end as God saying. That's enough, enough of this pain and difficulty and tragedy and so forth i'm I'm ready to bring this to a close. so Jesus returns um and yeah it pours out his wrath and and destroys the planet but it is is more of a, a putting us out of our misery uh kind of thing and uh, and those who have trusted in him and really that's that's what he says he says i'm that's what I'm going to do. I am going to come and end this this horrible tragedy that occurred. With the fall of mankind, I'm going to put an end to it. I'm just giving you every effort to spend eternity with me and not suffer for mm-hmm. all eternity um and so i'm going to um i' got to bring it to a conclusion because the mercy is for the saints it yeah. is it is not for those who have rejected christ
1: yeah yeah that's really well mm-hmm. um my neck again I'm in deuteronomy uh, deuteronomy <laughs> again <laughs> deuteronomy ten um Man, I just wanna I just wish we could just sit and here and read Well, all we're still we're
0: still reading Deuteronomy, so you can talk yes, more about it next I know. week. No, I'm excited.
1: Yeah. Um, Deuteronomy 10, 12 through 22, 12 verses that I'm just going to read to you guys real quick. So, listen up. It says, "And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in His ways, to love Him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul." And to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, for which I am commanding you today, for your good. Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the heaven of heavens, the earth with all that is in it. Yet the Lord has set, um, excuse me, yet the Lord set his heart and love on your fathers and chose their offspring after them. You above all peoples are uh, as you are this day circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart and be no longer stubborn for the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords the great the mighty and the awesome God who is not partial and takes no bribe he executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the sojourner giving him food and clothing love the sojourner therefore for you are sojourners in the land of Egypt you shall fear the Lord your God you shall serve him and hold fast to him and by his name you shall swear Here is your praise. He is your God. I'm sorry. He is your praise. He is your God who has done for you these great and terrifying things that your eyes have seen. Your fathers went down to Egypt, 70 persons, and now the Lord your God has made you as numerous as the stars of heaven. And as we read that, that last part that I read, as numerous as the stars of heaven, it's mentioned a few times uh, in Deuteronomy thus far. That's the promise fulfilled um, that God made to Abraham. His, uh, he told Abraham to look up and see the stars. He will have as many descendants as these. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we see, we see so much about God within these 10 verses. We see that this is God. This is his character. Um, it has God's character written all over it, all through it, all, just all about God. Um, His promise is fulfilled who he is, He is your praise. He is your God, who has done all these great and terrifying things that your eyes have seen. This is who God is. It is a wonderful this is a beautiful passage about what God is, who He is, and what he's asked us, and what requires of us still um is for us to love him, to walk all in his ways, to fear him, um, and to follow his commandments, which is for our good um so there's just i mean, wow. I mean, that's that's it. Yeah. Just wow.
0: Yeah, I, I was just going to Deuteronomy 12, where it says, Observe and obey all the words which I command you, that it may go well with you and your children after you forever, mm-hmm. when you do what is good and right in the sight of the Lord your God. Uh, And, and just, I mean, that uh, message to them at that time was his message for us at all time. It's yeah. like um, when Joshua said, Choose you this day whom you're going to serve. And mm-hmm. Jesus said, there are two paths, you know, there's a narrow way and a, and a wide way. There's a narrow gate and a, and a wide gate. Right. Um, and, uh, it's always a, it's always a, a choice of, of two directions of either we're going to follow God or we're not going to follow mm-hmm. God. And, and he says, the penalty is clear. You don't follow me here. Are the consequences of not following me. You do follow me. Here's the mm-hmm. blessing of following me. And, yeah. and, and it's, it's crazy how we, how we still struggle with that. It's
1: like, but it comes down to whether we really believe what he's saying. There's another thing in here I wanted to point out as well. Um, Verse 18 and 19 talks about the sojourner, love the sojourner because you were once sojourners in Egypt. And I remember the, the first time that I had this understanding that Gentiles have always been a part of the plan. Um, That's crazy to me. And you read passages like this, like this is again, this is the fifth book of the Bible, fifth book I don't know if it was written in that order, but this is what everyone studies. And here it is. Loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. That's what God does. And then it says then he says to Israel, Love the sojourner, therefore, for you were sojourners in the land. And we just see here, um, yeah, God welcoming in people who weren't his right. at some point and for his people to welcome in people who are not theirs. Um yeah. we were a part of the story all along and that's crazy. I mean then as you read, we get to Ruth and we get to Rahab, and we get to these people who are not uh Hebrews. It's just, it's really right. cool.
0: Well, and if you think of it, he created, he has this covenant with Abraham and says, I'm going to make out of you this people. And of course, then he has Isaac and then Jacob and then i Jacob, the 12 tribes of Israel and so forth. And then this group of people develops as the sands of the,
1: mm-hmm. right.
0: of the desert and the, and the stars in the, in the sky and many, many people. And he says, I'm going to use you as a light to the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. I'm going to right. use you as a means to draw people right. in. Uh, to me, and and that group goes from being this super large group to narrowing down. First, mm-hmm. you have the division with Solomon, and so it goes from the northern kingdom of the ten tribes, and you have two tribes in Judah, and so then you have, and then they be, begin to be called Jews uh because they are from Judah, and mm-hmm. then, uh, and so now, which is really a narrowing down of God's people, and then amongst the tribe of Judah, you have uh, of uh, of the line of kings and David and. And then, and then eventually it becomes one, and and Jesus becomes the one Jew in whom all of the prophecies, everything, the covenant of Abraham, Mm -hmm. can be finished in. Meaning every Jew failed, with the exception of one Jew, and that was Jesus, the Jew who became the light to the Gentiles, and so he fulfilled it. And from and so when he actually did what was supposed to be done through all the Jewish people, but because only one Jewish people succeeded he becomes that light to the, everything is fulfilled, everything mm-hmm. pivots on him. So now, And now from him, it begins to grow again, and it begins to expand out. So he chooses 12 apostles, and so from them, now it's been ever-expanding from that moment. But it all started, uh, I mean, but and God knew this the whole time. He knew that uh, he would call this people to be separate. He would give them his law and, and give them their his direction and so forth, and say, this is what I desire you to do. But he knew that there would only be one Jew who would actually succeed, and that would be the Jew who possessed his spirit, which was the Son of God. So um, but it, it yeah, it's it's a since you're, since you're reading the Old Testament, you're you're always narrowing down to Christ. It's always moving toward Jesus. Not um not that, oh God wanted the Jews to do this, they failed, and so he had to come up with plan B. And the plan was always to get to Christ. He created Abraham, he created the Jewish people just to produce he created the line of kings the line of prophets the line of priests he created all that in order to produce um the role that his son would fulfill so
1: yeah, yeah. good stuff
0: um i'm going to finish this time with uh Luke chapter 1 um and in Luke chapter 1 um he says uh, it's uh, Zechariah who is prophesying about uh John the Baptist and he says about his son, he says, a new child will be called the prophet of the highest. For you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercy of our God, with which the daypring from on high has visited us to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. So you have John the Baptist coming into this world to announce that God's promise of salvation was being fulfilled in the person of Jesus who was going to be, uh, who is the Messiah. And, um, you know, the fear of death and consequences of sin are insurmountable apart from the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's every Everything you're looking at the world, when you're talking to the world and and they're not receptive to Christianity, It and, and people who, you say, why wouldn't anybody put their faith in Jesus? Why wouldn't everybody go to church? Why wouldn't everybody want to be a part of this? Well, it's because they just don't believe it's going to overcome the issue of death. And death is looming. And so if you think death is looming, then you're asking, what's the best use of my time on this planet? How can I make the most of my life? I want my life to count. I want my life to matter. I want to take the most of it. And some people seek out pleasure uh, to fill their days. Some people uh, give their lives to other people, try to do uh, benevolent acts. They, they're, the world is struggling with how do I make the most out of a life that is going to end? But if you have the perspective that life doesn't end, that it actually continues on, that it does continue on, then then that changes everything. and And the science of the world uh, seeks to convince us that our lives and our and our that our lives end when our brains stop functioning it's so every everything when you send your kids to school and, and this is not a slam on the public school system i'm just saying when, when you send your kids to school when they're watching television when they're embracing uh social media and popular culture and, and traditional culture and science and all these different things all of it speaks to one end and that is when your brain stops working you are dead and that's the end of your life so that's why you see a lot of People embracing technology today, like what if we could take our consciousness and continue it on, and put it into computers or put it into some type of android or some type of clone? And their whole point is, is that we do not want our consciousness to end because we believe that it will end based on what the world has told us. Um, The world believes that there is no spirit apart from our physical being; that there is no no soul that continues on um and so since um it's not provable with the means we have at our disposal i we can't demonstrate that living spirit that living that living entity that living power within us um that uh that it seems to put us at a disadvantage it's, uh and um and so if there is life after death, then we have the issue of what happens to us, so even if we can overcome that and get people to believe. Oh, that life does continue on, then how do we believe that actually looks? And that's there's, there's where you come up with other world religions. So you have Islam, this is our explanation of what happens after we die, Hinduism, this is what happens after we die, Buddhism, same thing. That they all come up with ways of how to deal with what happens after we die. And um and and so all the major religions contribute to that. So now you have two groups of people, those who don't believe in life after death, and those who do believe in life after death and the major religions of the world kind of differentiate those two groups of people. Uh, And, uh, and even though Hollywood would not have us believe this, um, the people who do believe in life after death far outnumber the people who don't believe in life after death, um, even though it's not provable. But in Jesus, here we have something different. Jesus, we have a man who was publicly executed and with many witnesses. Also I'm die. And then many witnesses who saw him come back to life and uh, in front of hundreds of witnesses. There were people who were like, well, it wasn't really Jesus. Well, he showed him his scars. There are people who say, well, it was a spirit being. Well, he ate with them to demonstrate <laughs> that he was really physical, a physical being. Uh, so he ate with them, showed his scars to them. And so, so he was demonstrating that my word is true. And so when you have a person who predicts their death, that they will be buried and then rise from the dead. And then that actually happens and not in a private way, but in a very public way, uh, a historical way, then that's worth reckoning what that person says. And his word says, he says that we will live after our physical being dies. Uh, He says that uh, if that we, we die, we can be forgiven for our sins and have the opportunity to to be blessed for all eternity um, and i don't have anything more than his word and the testimony of those who followed him um but that's sufficient that's all i need to put my trust nobody else has that you know right. and and so it really does come down to do i believe that he is real that he did die that he did rise from the dead that his word is true and the testimony of those who say that this happened that their word is true and um and so it, that's where the faith comes in and i i i choose to believe that and i i think he helps us with it through his holy spirit affirms that gives us some things to encourage us in our faith and, and and so forth um i know people always try to tear those things down or pick them apart or whatever but it's like how do i know that my wife loves me how do i know my wife is real you know all these different things but they're they're just the, the evidence points to the fact that those I have enough evidence to say, yeah, I do. I choose to believe that. Um, and in the same way with Jesus, I choose to believe He is real. I choose to believe that His word is true, and uh, and so worth following. I think all of us need to process that through, because if not, the enemy comes in and begins to tear apart our faith. Tears apart our belief system. Tries to make us think that what we're thinking and what we're investing in really isn't worth investing in. That the world has a much better grasp on things than we do. Uh, when the reality is is that they are also putting faith in a message they are also putting faith or trust in a particular belief system a particular philosophy and with much less evidence with Mm -hmm. much less uh to build upon uh than the word of god so
1: Hmm. yeah that's good yeah
0: sweet all right well that's it that's what we drew from the word today uh and we're going to come back and deal with some questions about our reading We're going to cover some questions that came up in our reading of God's Word. And Josh is going to articulate those questions
1: for us. Yes. Okay. One more thing about Deuteronomy. One more thing. What does the word Deuteronomy mean? Well, Josh, I'm glad you asked that question. (laughs) Uh,
0: The actual name in Hebrew is Devarim. Um, Could be Devarim. I'd have to look back and where I put that accent mark. But, um, um, Aleha Devarim. Uh, the, um... And it just simply means the words of Moses. Okay. Um, and <laughs> the, uh, so, but when the Septuagint was done mm-hmm. and they gave it a Greek name, and I think it's Deuteronium or something, like a Greek version of it, and it literally means second law or, or a copy of the book or, or something to that effect. Uh, which means that it's really just a, a repetition of something you've already heard, which it is. It's, it takes the Ten Commandments that are revealed in Exodus and just repeats them again, uh, and so that's why they were labeling it. That would not have, that was not what Moses was saying. Um, so uh, some people think that that's evidence to say it came later. There's, the evidence doesn't support that. I don't believe Moses is still. It still shows, still lends itself to believe that Moses wrote uh Deuteronomy in sequence and really it was it, it makes sense if you think about it it's kind of like uh, God gave us this message at the end of our journey i'm getting ready to leave let me reiterate mm-hmm. everything that God said before uh i leave you and so it's kind of Moses' farewell address it's extremely that's why i think we love it is it's really taking everything you gotten in, in Genesis Exodus Leviticus and Numbers and summarizing here it is here's what you really need to know going forward but uh but yeah that's the the actual term Deuteronomy comes from the uh, ancient Greek text.
1: Gotcha. Okay. Well, if you were following along with us in the reading plan, mm-hmm. we got to the end of Mark. And we got to the end of Mark That's twice, bum. maybe. Yes. Mm-hmm. So my question is, um, so in my Bible, it's in brackets after verse 8 of chapter 16. It says, some of the earliest manuscripts do not include chapter 16, 9 through 20. Right. Obviously, those numbers weren't there a long time ago. but Troy, can we trust our modern Bibles well,
0: our modern Bibles are actually not modern um that's a that's a kind of a misnomer the um the idea is is that the text we are looking at uh like we were like we've were looking at a text um I mean of the King James, which was done in sixteen eleven and and the thinking would be. If you thought of it as a modern Bible, that now I'm with the court under the course of time, it's been changed or altered or added to or whatever. But the reality is that we have discovered more ancient text uh, since 1611, a lot more ancient text, like a thousand more ancient text. Uh, And and because we have uh, hundreds of different documents, some complete, some fragments uh, you look for, you typically the logic would dictate that um if something was uh, that there would be more a greater chance of something being added into it than something taken away i mean if you had mark's original autograph and and you were and you were copying that that typically somebody would not omit things um later and then and then come back and add it back at another time that if it was omitted then it would never be recovered um, But uh, since you have you have the oldest one say you have something that dates back to 70 AD and then in 100 AD you have some additions to it uh and but you never have any earlier copies that say that have that included then you would think "Mm, that was probably added what further makes this passage almost inconceivable that it would be in the original manuscripts is there is another version with a different ending after verse eight there's actually a second uh, uh, that's older than the one we have um and it took mark in a different direction so you have the original uh going through verse 8 and chapter 16 then you had some verses that were added that went a direction and almost like somebody came back and go i don't really like that ending and so it was altered also everything from verses 9 on are taken from the other gospels meaning or or the book of acts meaning they are taken from things that they would have already been written after mark mark's probably the original gospel then you have matthew come out with more information luke come out with more information john come out with more information the book of acts and then it's like they said and and the and the reason is if you read verse 8 uh people thought it was it was a bad ending or something was missing like a cliffhanger was mm-hmm. created and and really that's a that's a sad I I I, I don't want to say you know trash the church fathers but uh but the patriarchs of the early church read it and thought we need to put an ending on this to kind of close out the gospels so that we can kind of ha- so there's a commission uh so that there's a wrapping of this stuff up and 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 all of it is extremely uncharacteristic of how the rest of the gospels written so you almost are definitely thinking well. Mark didn't write this. It just looks like somebody else added this to it. Um, And uh, so you have that evidence, the fact that the early manuscripts didn't include it. There is a later manuscript that has a different ending. And then the most contemporary uh, parts of it have these passages ended, which look like scribe notes that somebody just added in to try to finish it. We also know that some of the patriarchs thought that it didn't end well (laughs) and needed to have something. Uh, put with it so all that evidence makes us think that it is not part of the original gospel not the inspired um infallible section all of it is biblical there is no part of it that is not biblical um some weird uh weird verse would be that they could get bitten by snakes and drink poison and so forth but those are just examples that we have in the early church that paul got bit by a snake and didn't die and so forth so that's just kind of thrown in there now Here's the question: Is it so why do we have it at all? Why do we include it? Because uh it was part of our early church literature. It was part of uh, something that was circulating in the early church, and it all is valuable information that is brought to us from the other gospels and sees what the church thought was valuable at uh, the time. Now go back to the earth thing. Was the ending bad? Did Mark <laughs> mess up? <laughs> and if you look at it, it he is not. He ends the he ends Mark by basically saying uh, the women were terrified. And they didn't tell anybody what they'd saw. They just uh, hid. And and he's saying, he gives the resurrection is true, and it left with a uh, with a sense of awe. Mm-hmm. And so when we think of them being scared, we're thinking of it as what a bad ending. They're all scared yeah. and they don't move. You no, know, he's but he's saying no. That it, it it left the impression it was supposed to leave. They were in awe of this act of God. And, and if you read the rest of the Gospel of Mark, he kinda, those are the things he shows all the time, that people don't know how to deal with this. It's right. like, oh, my goodness, look what happened. And if you think of it in a contemporary setting, you're telling the story. It's like, and he was risen from the dead, and they were all freaked out over yeah. it and so forth. And then that's the end of the story. Right. Now, what do we do with that? How do we deal with that? You know, the fact that Jesus is risen from the dead and how do we respond for it? And and so, yeah, you would you would then have your invitation. So think about like a sermon and then you have this altar call afterwards or whatever. That's not really part of the sermon. Mm-hmm. But kind of an addendum of now I've shared this information with you. Now what are we going to do with it? Uh, and that's kind of how the Gospel Mark uh, concludes. It really is a is, is a strong conclusion when you look yeah. at it from that
1: angle. So I think people um are really afraid people who aren't. Well, sometimes Christians too. There's just people who are afraid of when there's pieces of information like this where it says some of the earliest manuscripts do not include. Right. Or there's like, there's so many variations within the scriptures and there's so, right. la, 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 whatever. I want to make sure everyone knows that with these variations, as we see commas or whatever, these little ticks and marks that would have been in Greek or in Hebrew or whatever, yeah. none of it changes who God is. Right. Nothing at all. No words. There's not. A right. letter, there's not a word, there's not a tick or whatever you call them in right. Hebrew and all that. None of that changes who God is. This ending of Mark doesn't change who God is at all. Nothing. Right. Like like Troy said, it's taken from the other Gospels. The storyline hasn't changed about God. God's character has not changed. And I think sometimes, um, well, it's what you're saying. This whole trust thing, what we talked about right. earlier. When there is confusion in us, in humans we lose trust completely, yeah. and we then we begin to trust, well, God's hiding something then there's there's skeletons in his closet, there's right. something bad about him there's not, there's not there is so much evidence, thousands of pieces of yeah. you know fragments and whatnots, and none of it changes who God is at all uh,
0: I, I think there's is super important that we understand the difference between us and Islam with Islam, you have the Quran. And they believe there is one version of the Quran. Now in their history, there was an imam who came along and he destroyed all the other versions so there would just be one. And we could have done that. We could have said, we're just going to destroy every other version. I think some people would have us destroy every version, but the King James Bible so there's only one. Uh, and make that, but but I understand that's rooted in idolatry. Mm-hmm. They worship the Quran. Mm-hmm. I mean, really it is that, it's not the prophet as much as it is the the message that the prophet received. Um, we are saying that God moved upon these men and shared the word of God. And what he shared with them is inerrant, infallible, and is inspired, meaning it is literally God speaking. Um, Now, uh, people who uh, practice Islam uh, fault us. They say, well, if that were true, then why don't you have it? Why don't you have the original or whatever uh and, uh and and really it's, it's a great question one mm-hmm. worth asking god when we see him face to face we i can all i can give you are, are answers that are fallible at best because i'm not god i don't understand uh, how his mind works uh but i do know this i do know that it's possible that if we had the original art, art, autographs uh that we'd worship them
1: i was about to say and they'd become our and idols. also
0: get this it wouldn't be in our language. I, right. I think I think it's I think from God's perspective, it's more important that we understand the message he was trying to communicate mm-hmm. than having those original in right. Aramaic or Greek or or Hebrew or whatever it is that it was. Uh we have we have some so so the Bible that you have before you is just a group of men who are studying as close to the original as we can possibly get to get the message that God was trying to communicate. And if you want to think of it like this, if God spoke it, if it was something that was handed down as an oral tradition, Mm -hmm. uh, it's still the word of God. And so I I hear what God says and then I share it with you. We are are blessed to have a written copy of something. We are blessed to have an English version of it because so many of us, I mean, for years, it wasn't translated in English. In fact, people were killed for translating Mm -hmm. it into our language. uh, Before King James did the authorized version i mean uh, that's how Wycliffe died uh, right. is, is trying to give it into a language that uh, the people understood uh and the church held that kind of to this g- small group of elitist uh who it was in latin or in some other version right. that uh, wasn't actually uh completely accurate in in that form but um but again the message is held true and god god is trying to get his message through to the people but i i think it's it's also very arrogant on English-speaking parts to think that, uh, say, I go to another country and I'm trying to translate in their language, to think it would be better for me to translate it from English into their language than to try to go to the original language and translate it into their language. Uh, Well, obviously, it would be better to go to the original language and translate (laughs) it into their language. And so we're always trying to, we have the advantage to have a lot of scholars who are looking at the original languages, trying to make sure we are communicating to people who speak English the right version so just thank god that you have an english version because there are a lot of countries they don't have a version in their language of the Bible.
1: billions of uh, people
0: yeah so it's so you we're blessed and so to have all the different versions that we have just gives us a a better understanding of how difficult the original language is to kind of interpret in some things
1: and i think it's so important to remember this as well when the word of god comes to a people an unreached people group which is what you know we know them to be yeah. they don't bring the Bible with them and start reading it in their language. Right. They start by telling them the story, the story. That's what they do. They don't go in and say Luke chapter one in as much as No, they don't do that. They go there and they say, in whatever language they're speaking, God created the earth and then we messed it up. And then they kept messing it up and kept messing it up. But there was this one person who would not mess it up. And finally he came And he lived a perfect life and he died a perfect death. And now he offers that perfect life forever to you through his son. That's what they do. And then once they get that storyline, once they have the language ready, they begin to translate. Then the Bible comes in so the people can study it themselves. But they did exactly what what Moses did. I mean, they go in. Moses knew the language. He tells them about God. He tells them the story. He tells them about Genesis chapter 1 and how Yahweh is creator. He didn't begin by writing this down and then say, "All right, Israel, listen up."
0: But we do believe that he did come upon 41 unique authors mm-hmm. and wrote 66 books. Absolutely, and that upon those people, he did um, superintend the process, meaning he didn't um, he didn't get Mark aside in a room and right. say, "Mark, write these words down." And right. Mark wrote the words word for word. I, I know some people think that, but that's not the way it happened. Mm-hmm. Mark is just writing. But under the under the direction of the the Holy Spirit right. and uh, and God using that to get him to communicate the very Word of God, the you know full of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. he he um, he wrote down an errant infallible message right. of God. And so we are. I don't have nobody has the original thing Mark wrote, but we have copies that are very accurate. Mm-hmm. And so we've been blessed to live in an age. And I think and I think as we get Closer and closer to the end, it's more important that we have the most accurate right, word right possible mm-hmm. but uh but here's the thing to remember in sixteen eleven when they wrote the King James Bible, um, they had fewer sources than we have, but the sources they had then were still reliable and still communicated the mm-hmm. same message that we get what we were yep. talking about are super finite details right, right and so forth that do not change the overall message mm-hmm. of the gospel or or intention of God's word
1: no. yeah, it's a book about God by God for God's people.
0: But when you choose a particular version of mm-hmm. an English Bible and say this is God's word and nothing else is uh you are really on idolatrous a you're, well you're on a, in an idolatrous yeah. place. You're yep. giving you're making something out to be more than what it is and worshipping that object rather than um
1: the God who created it. Yeah. Okay, one more question. Mm-hmm. Luke chapter 1, verse 3. It said it seemed good to me also having followed all things closely for some time past to write an orderly account for you most excellent theophilus mm-hmm. ooh who is theophilus what is theophilus oh, that's a great where question. is theophilus yeah. if it's i have any no idea of those things uh,
0: the um, right. um <laughs> <laughs> the um all i know is what luke tells us both mm-hmm. in the gospel of luke and acts and uh, and then we just inferred that it's somebody who he's communicating these words to it is interesting that uh, he wrote to theophilus but it became something that of course the church revered as mm-hmm. the gospel and uh and the word of god uh luke being an historian um that uh he is trying to get these events together mm-hmm. um you know whether theophilus is a real person or a figurative person that luke creates for whatever reason purpose you know and communicating to the church um i don't know we don't have any yeah. other record that's authoritative uh, to give us uh, insight into that. But, uh, but anyway, it's, it's kind of cool. It's a good question. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I think it makes it more personal, more dear. Because mm-hmm. I I mean, really, just insert your own name. You know, just uh, mark out Theophilus and put Josh. Right. Uh, and uh, I and, think it's also interesting. It's, it's a message to you.
1: The beginning of the name is Theos. Yeah, there you go. Where we get God. Theology. Yeah. 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 I just, ah, it's so cool. I love yeah. the book of Luke. Also, Theo and the Huxtables.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm excited to dive into Luke these next few weeks because yeah. it's Luke is really good. Luke is really good because uh, it really, I mean, he was a historian, yeah.
0: and he's creating details that others wouldn't find. Mm-hmm. He's interviewing people, getting the message. I mean, right. you might say, "Well, how's that apostolic?" Well, he's interviewing the apostles, mm-hmm. uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and mm-hmm. and other witnesses. So cool. There the um and and is speaking to us as we are. I mean, well, at least Josh and me are Gentiles um and uh we are uh he is speaking to us uh in our world mm-hmm. um it's really I, I always feel like it's the gospel for the nations you mm-hmm. know and I, so which cool. is why the jesus film if you've ever seen the jesus film that was created by campus crusade uh for christ or an organization i they i know they own the movie now but the uh, uh which has been i think put in more languages than any other movie in history the jesus film is based on the gospel of luke it is almost a exactly uh, chapter by chapter following of luke's gospel so um and in, it's, it's such a powerful film for the purpose of evangelism so uh if you ever had a friend or something and you wanted to communicate the good news of christ uh then rent the jesus film and have you ever seen the jesus film josh because it's no, not the Joy. passion of christ it's not rated r
1: i haven't seen the jesus film
0: oh, either oh man now now you really are handicapped at that point so um <laughs> uh, but anyway Start there. Maybe you should start with the Jesus film and work your way up to the Passion.
1: Yeah, I can start with the little movie that plays in my head when I read the Bible. <laughs> uh, the Jesus film is, um, is I'm not against them. Just so everyone knows, is I think
0: people probably good <laughs> when you realize it is the go- it's just right. the Gospel right. of Luke. So it's not necessarily that the actors are you know great or whatever. It's just that it's just you're seeing you're seeing visually. Yeah, the. The things on in the gospel worked out.
1: I hope people know that I'm not intentionally avoiding these movies. I just, in all honesty, I don't have, have the to... attention span. He's on
0: TikTok. They need a <laughs> TikTok Jesus film version. So people, TikTok people, <laughs> wow. If you could take the the Jesus film and break it up into 30 second segments, then Josh would be able to enjoy it.
1: Church people probably think that I am. <laughs> really just the worst <laughs> oh
0: my goodness yeah but there's grace there there's is grace. please don't burn me at the stake <laughs> for they not shouldn't. watching The Passion they shouldn't because there's forgiveness in son. <laughs> like
1: I just said I've watched the movie in my head that plays as I there read you go. there you go <laughs> okay all right well thank you guys for joining us on understanding jesus i hope you'll if you have
0: not ever done so take time to go to our website at fbcj.us look up the reading plan and just jump in jump in and start reading with us and uh and if you can't read it every day read some every day or read some every week or whatever Mm. but but the idea is to get us in the habit of reading god's word because without reading god's word how can we come to an understanding of jesus it almost worked i had to throw an oven there understanding jesus (laughs) but
1: anyway all
0: right we'll see you next time